Welcome to the Still Study Podcast, episode number 29, here on November 20th, 2021. I am your host here on the podcast, Jeremy Ritz. Just expressing my gratitude to you for being a supporter of the Still Study and for joining me today for episode number 29, one away from 30. As we get ready to talk Pittsburgh Steelers football. But before we jump into the episode, I want to take a moment to express my gratitude to you for being a supporter of the Still Study, for reading my work, listening to the weekly study sessions, listening to the Still Study podcast. It truly does mean the world to me. So thank you for that. And I also want to thank you for continuing to share the message of this still study with your family and friends to help us grow our audience and to connect with more and more people so that we can deliver even more content to you. So thank you for that. I would love to connect with you. Please drop me a line via email at thestillstudy at gmail.com or also give me a follow on Twitter at stillstudy. Would love to connect with you. Every Saturday, I do a Steelers Saturday mailbag on the study session where I get your questions, comments, feedback on the show. So would love to make that happen with you. So let's connect. And I also want to mention the podcast that I do with Jim Wexel over on his website, The Steel City Insider. That podcast is appropriately titled The Steel City Insider Podcast. Jim is a wealth of information, wealth of insight regarding the Steelers. And I encourage you to check that out. It is linked in the show notes. We record every Tuesday at 5 a.m. and post in between 6 and 6.15 a.m. There is an audio version of the podcast. And for those of you who are visual, there is a YouTube version as well. So please be sure to check that out and to share. And we've got a big weekend for Pittsburgh Steelers football, coming off the 16-16 tie to the Detroit Lions in a game that I thought would be very close. I did think the Steelers would win. I did not anticipate a tie. I did anticipate a close game. It surely was that. And this weekend will be no different. And the Steelers, I don't want to say have to win this game in order to stay in contention for the postseason. But they kind of do because their schedule is brutal. We've been through what these remaining eight games look like, and it is not easy. And this contest against the Chargers is not easy. It won't be easy. They're going to have to play probably their most complete game in order to have an opportunity to win. And injuries are plaguing the Steelers team right now. T.J. Watt is questionable whether or not he is going to be able to go. Joe Hayden more than likely is out. James Pierre more than likely will get the start. Isaiah Loudermilk has been added to the injury report. Minka Fitzpatrick is out because of COVID. Possibility that Ben Roethlisberger is out another game because of COVID and that Mason Rudolph will get another start. So again... Those are some pretty significant key injuries 
COVID impacts that if, in fact, those players cannot play, it's going to be difficult for the Steelers to get the win. One player that I feel they absolutely need to be able to contend and have an opportunity is Ben Roethlisberger. And depending on which report you look at, some say that he is going to be able to play this weekend. He needs two consecutive negative COVID tests. There are others out there who believe that Mason Rudolph is going to start for a second consecutive week. We won't know until game time on Sunday, according to Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. But they need that continuity with Roethlisberger If they're going to win, they're going to need him out there. The Chargers have their own issues with COVID that they're dealing with. Joey Bosa being one of them. The pass rush extraordinaire. He's got five and a half sacks on the season. We don't know if he's going to play. And then also Jared Tillery, one of their defensive linemen. There's a chance that he may not play. So that will level the playing field a bit for these teams as they're going to be out without some of their starters but we'll have to monitor to see how that's going to play out what am I most concerned about in this game well defensively for the Steelers with all those injuries especially in the secondary how are they going to contain this passing game that is explosive it's been inconsistent but if they are locked in and in stride This is going to pose a significant challenge to the Steelers' defense. Justin Herbert has shown that he can be a high-caliber quarterback, that he could push the ball down the field with Mike Williams. He can attack the field in the short passing game and intermediate passing game with Keenan Allen. He has a safety valve and Austin Eckler, who he can drop the ball off and the short game for a big explosive reception. So the Steelers have to be prepared for that. They're not as much of a threat running the football as they are in the passing game, and the Steelers have struggled in coverage all year. They've struggled against the run, too. So they're going to be tested. If Trey Norwood gets a start over Fitzpatrick in that secondary, he's going to have to elevate his game. If T.J. Watt is out on defense, Alex Highsmith is going to have to step up and make up for him not being on the field. But opposite him, it's either going to be Taco Charlton or Derek Tuska. And as much optimism and hope and promise we want to have for those players, it's going to be difficult for them to even play It's 70% effectiveness of what Watt would be if he was in there. And just a few weeks ago, the Steelers traded away Melvin Ingram. Maybe that trade doesn't look as wise at this point, being that they only snatched a six-round pick. But it is what it is, and the Steelers will have to make that work on Sunday. So big game. If you want my prediction, I'm going to refer you back to the Chargers preview and prediction game that I did 
excuse me, preview and prediction study session that I did on Friday. It is in that episode, so check that out. But I am calling for the Steelers to win. I've got this feeling about the game, although these injuries, this COVID nonsense, the potential of Rudolph playing has kind of flipped that feeling a little bit, so we'll have to see. But the Steelers need to move the 6-3-1 if they're going to stay in contention for the postseason. One thing that I wanted to take a look at was the performance of the Steelers in their losses and their ties. So they've lost three games right now to the Raiders, the Bengals, the Packers, and they tied one against the Lions. The points for the Steelers in those contests, they've scored 60 points, which is an average of 15 per game. The points against is 93, which is 23.25 points per game. So they've been outscored 23 to 15 in those contests. So the one characteristic that we've seen in those losses and even in that tie is just a really difficult outing for the offense. And defensively, it's not hateful the number of points they're giving up. 23, you can argue, is not a bad number. 26 points to the Raiders, 24 to the Bengals, 27 to the Packers, 16 to the Lions. That's not a ton of points. But when you're only scoring an average of 15 points, it's not enough. So something that I'll be watching for this weekend is, can the Steelers score more than two touchdowns? Can they exceed that 15-point mark? And can they keep the points allowed below 23 points? So just an indicator I'm going to be paying attention to to see how that unfolds. And I would encourage you to check that out and monitor that as well. Offensively for the Steelers, the game plan shouldn't be dictated by who starts at the quarterback position, whether it's Roethlisberger or Rudolph, as it's very evident that nine games into the season, that Najee Harris is the focal point of your offense, and he has to be from here on out. Now, there's not a lot of depth, quality depth behind him at the running back position, which puts a lot of exposure and wear on his body, which opens him up to injuries. But despite that, he's gotta be prioritized in the offensive game plan. And being that the Chargers rank dead last, in terms of stopping the run, the Steelers have to attack that weakness again and again and again. What's gonna happen as a result of that? They will dominate time of possession, which keeps that Chargers offense off the field, which as I stated and have been discussing this week, it can be explosive in the passing game And the Steelers are not going to be able to keep up in a shootout with the Chargers. So they have to shorten this game as much as possible through the run. And then when they're doing that, mixing the short passes, 
working in Pat Freyermuth, Zach Gentry in the red area. That's how they're going to have to win. But it will be interesting to see if the Steelers adhere to such a game plan and do give Harris 25 or more carries. And that's what's going to have to happen. If the Steelers want to win. Looking at the remaining schedule after this game. Next week, the Steelers will have an AFC North showdown at Cincinnati. Again, a super meaningful game being that it's AFC North football. I hate, again, I hate to say that these games are must win, but every game here on out for the Steelers is a must win as the regular season starts to wind down if they want to compete for the postseason. But the Steelers will get another shot at the Bengals. It's going to be difficult because it's away. It's going to be in Cincinnati. And to be quite honest, Cincinnati dominated Pittsburgh the last game. So they've got to be ready for that one. And then there's no rest the following week as they take on the Ravens for the first time. That one at least is in Pittsburgh. But they've got to be ready for that game. That is going to be intense. We know the rivalry there despite the recent hatred that has spawned once again with Cleveland, the Ravens are still the Steelers' bitter rival. Going to be a very challenging game to shut down that rushing attack of the Ravens, especially with how they've played this year. After that, it's a short week. Steelers go to Minnesota to take on the Vikings on Thursday night. Should be a winnable contest for the Steelers. From there, Steelers will come back home to face the Tennessee Titans, which some have made the argument that they are currently the best team in the AFC. Hard to argue against that. They are without Derrick Henry. Adrian Peterson has assumed the starting running back role during his time out. I have not heard any update in terms of how long Henry's injury will keep him out and if he, in fact, is out for the entire season. But that's going to be a very challenging game. From there, the day after Christmas, the Steelers will take on the Chiefs. That's going to be in Kansas City. Again, a brutal game. The Chiefs have shown that they are mortal this year, but they still have one of the most potent offenses in the league, led by Pat Mahomes. And based on what he did last weekend, you could make the argument that they are back on track. From there, it's home against the Browns, Monday Night Football. The Browns seem to be in shambles right now with injuries and internal dissension. So that potentially could be a winnable one now Monday night. And then they close out the season at the Ravens, which again, the Ravens are already a hard battle for that to be on the road. That is going to push every part of the Steelers to get the W. So you can see, again, weekly I've been doing the schedule revisit just to kind of take a a stock of where this team is and how this is shaping up. It's not going to be easy, but again, because 
because the schedule is so difficult, it makes every game that much more important, especially if they want to make it into the postseason, which obviously they do. They have to get the win this weekend. Again, you can count on for the rest of the way out. These are going to be brutal, knockdown, drag out, ugly, punch in the mouth, sloppy games that come down to the fourth quarter, last second plays. There will be no solace or comfort in these games. There will be no blowout sitting back and enjoying it. You may want to double your blood pressure meds. It's going to be <laughs> it's going to be a anxiety-inducing rest of the way out. But that's what makes it fun. The last thing I want to hit on is quarterbacks for next season. I've talked a bit about that. I'm going to start getting into draft study here soon. And I'm really going to do my homework on the quarterbacks who will be available in this year's draft or who will potentially be available because it's a position of need because of the uncertainty for next year. Being that this potentially is Big Ben's last year, being that Mason Rudolph really, he's not proven yet. But I've gone on record to say that not only do I think they will sign a free agent this offseason, but I also think they will be in the market to draft somebody. They have to start the work of finding a successor, and the Steelers like to build through the draft. And if there is a guy who is out there that they feel they could bring along and grow, they will pull the trigger. Mason Rudolph is a perfect example of that, even though it hasn't really panned out. But one of the players that I'm going to have a profile up, and it may even be up on Saturday, really just a concise, brief overview, it's going to be of Malik Willis, quarterback for Liberty, small school. And Willis has two things that can't be taught, they can't be grown at this stage of a career in college. And that's, number one, a powerful NFL-ready arm that can make all the throws. He has zip, and he can zing it and sling it. And in addition to that, dude is freaky fast and is one hell of a runner at the quarterback position. Now, we know Mike Tomlin has spoken several times this year to the media about the importance and the value of a mobile quarterback in today's NFL. And that might be indicative of what he's looking for in his next signal caller. And Malik Willis definitely fits that profile. He's put up solid statistical seasons and the two years that he has been a starter at Liberty, he actually transferred to Liberty. He has shown that he can excel in the passing game. And just from the brief tape study that I've done on Willis, obviously I'm going to be going into more depth. He has shown the ability to throw his receivers open. If you look at a lot of the deep balls that he's connected on, 
it's out in front of the receiver. It's to a spot to where the receiver runs under it. It's never behind the receiver. And that's good to see on those long balls. Where he struggles, and again, this is something that can be developed, is progressing through his reads to become more sophisticated in that process of moving from first, second, to third read. And then also improving his accuracy. There have been times where he has not been as accurate as he could have been, but that's something that NFL caliber coaches are paid to work with players on. And so he's a guy that, depending on what his draft stock will be, here's the other thing I'll mention really quickly is this year, he, you could make the argument he's not playing as well as he did last year, but he's playing behind a a really poor offensive line. He's getting beat up, but he's still making plays. He's got over 700 rushing yards, over 2,100 passing yards with two games to go. He's probably going to, not probably, he will exceed his passing and rushing totals from last year, but he's playing against a horrible offensive line. So that has to be taken into consideration. So in terms of tools, they are first round tools. What has to be determined by scouts and by professional teams is whether or not those areas where he needs to grow, if they can be enhanced and developed and cultivated into an NFL ready starting quarterback. If that's the case, Willis may be a quarterback who the Steelers will not be in range of grabbing because he will undoubtedly go very early in the 2022 draft. Again, his physical tools are just phenomenal and too much to pass up. If he could check the other boxes, he could be the first quarterback off the board, but still there's a long way to go in terms of evaluating players and then determining how all those players stack up in terms of the quarterback position. Some of the other quarterbacks that I'll be digging into, Matt Coral out of Ole Miss, Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati, Kenny Pickett from the University of Pittsburgh. You've probably If you're a Steelers fan, you've heard his name thrown around a bunch. He's a traditional pocket passer. He's got deep accuracy. Great maturity, leadership character. A decent arm. Carson Strong out of Nevada. Sam Howe out of North Carolina. So there are several quarterbacks that have started to garner attention for next year. I'm excited to dig into those will be interesting to see if the Steelers are interested in going after one of those quarterbacks in the upcoming draft, if one of those players will be available. And it's never too early to start talking the NFL draft. It's kind of a big deal. You know, if Ben goes, it's an end of the era and the signal, the start of a new era. It sounds like the Steelers 
want to bring in a vet to help with that transition, they could still do that and draft a guy and bring him along. So definitely a lot of fun things to talk about. And we're getting that talk started soon. And as a shout out to my man, Andrew, the Mule Malcasian, again, going to be having the Mule and the man behind Enemy Lines, Jake Moore, on a special episode of the Still Study podcast for that first Ravens game. I have a history nugget here for you today. And it's all about Steelers ties. Not Steelers neckties. Ties. Steelers tied Detroit last week, 16-16. And it's one of those things you just don't know how to feel about it. At first glance, it's not a loss. And you're like, eh, okay. When you look at it again, it's not a win. It almost looks like a hockey record. It's goofy. But the Steelers have had 19 ties in their history. They've had 17 ties against NFC teams. So think about that for a second. Out of their 19 ties, 17 of them have come against NFC teams. And, oh yeah, this past weekend they tied an NFC team in the Detroit Lions. That's bizarre that only two times in which they have tied has that come against an AFC opponent. Why that is, who knows? Not sure if you can drill that down to any type of concrete reason, being that these ties are spread out over years. But the last tie that the Steelers had, do you remember what it was? I'll tell you this, it was one of those AFC ties. Do you remember now? That's right. It was the 21-21 tie against the Cleveland Browns just a few years ago. And I started thinking, okay, so following that tie, what did the Steelers do the next week? And I wish I could give you some hope or optimism here, and I'm not telling you to draw a hard conclusion, but following their last 21-21 tie, following their last tie, they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field, 42-37. And that was Patrick Mahomes coming out party that year. Now, am I saying that the Steelers are going to lose because they tied last week? No. I've already predicted them to win. You know that. I've been saying that since the start of last week. They're going to win. I got a feeling. I got a feeling. (laughs) Even though that feeling is coming into question because of COVID and injuries and nonsense, I'm doubling down. Steelers are getting this one in Los Angeles. They're going to be 6-3-1. and one. Then they're going to go to Cincinnati for what is going to be a very meaningful 1 o'clock battle against the Bengals. And that's it. Wrapping up episode 
29 of the Still Study Podcast. Had a lot of fun today talking with all of you. Really, I'm talking to myself, but I imagine that beautiful Still Studying Steelers audience out in front of me as I do these shows. And even though I can't see you, I envision myself just talking like I would with a friend or a family member about our beloved Steelers. And I just want to thank you so much for being a supporter of the Still Study, for reading the articles, listening to the sessions, listening to the podcast. It truly does mean the world to me. And for you sharing it with your family and friends, props to you. Much love to you. Thank you so much for doing that. I would love to connect with you. Please drop me a line via email at thestillstudy at gmail.com. Let's connect. You can also follow me on Twitter at Still Study. Would love to get your question, comment, or feedback on the show. Remember on Saturdays, I do the Steelers Saturday mailbag on the study session. So check that out. There's one posted today. But I take your questions, put them on the show. So I get an opportunity to discuss what is on your mind. And then finally, want to give a shout out to Jim Wexel and mention the podcast that Jim and I do over on his site, The Still City Insider. The podcast is called The Still City Insider Podcast. It's a lot of fun working with Jim. Jim is super insightful and knowledgeable about the Pittsburgh Steelers. His experience is phenomenal. Go check that out. It's linked in the show notes. It's great stuff, and it's a lot of fun working with Jim, learning from him about the Steelers and the depth of knowledge he has about the team. And that's it. Sunday night football tomorrow. Can't wait. Going to be a late night. Hopefully it's not a night. Hopefully it's not one of those games where you stay up all night and it's close and they lose last second. That would be brutal. It would not set up a positive week of Thanksgiving. But there's a chance of that happening. And that's what makes those wins feel so good. And that's what makes the NFL the NFL. But study-ins, much appreciation, much love to all of you. I hope you have an amazing Saturday, an amazing weekend. Enjoy the game. Hopefully you get to watch it with the fam, with your friends. I will see you back here next week. We're going to be hitting episode 30, y'all. This thing keeps rolling along. So I will see you then. This is Jeremy Ritz of The Still Study signing off. Have a great weekend.